Right, Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, and can be found on page 1676. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him, him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may, may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us, from the dominion of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Lovely to see you all. I wonder if you, as you watch the introduction to the series, uh, you, you're just thinking through what uh, your response might be uh, if asked, what is growing in Christ all about? 
Um, just why don't you just take a moment, turn to the person next to you and tell them what you think growing in Christ is all about. How would you summarise growing in Christ? Okay, so we've got two thumbs up, have we? We're all good? It's actually not easy, is it? Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's quite difficult. Um, I generally think as we, as we seek to answer that question, uh, we're very quick to come up with the growing bit, uh, ideas of what we could do, ideas of what we should do. Uh, but my conviction is that the most important part of growing Christ is the in Christ bit uh, rather than the growing bit. Uh, because being in Christ is actually crucial to the identity of every Christian person. Uh, how can you grow in Christ when you're not certain that you're actually identified in Christ? That's actually the beginning. Uh, the issue of our identity is actually critical. And it's something we think about a lot. Uh, lots of people are always questioning their identity. Who am I? How do I fit? Um, some people not so much. But, but each of us go through stages of asking that question. Um, uh, many late primary school, early high schools are racked with the question, who am I? Uh, as I put some distance between myself and my annoying parents, uh, who am I outside of my family of origin? Uh, people of my age, uh, particularly perhaps a little bit younger, um, uh, often go through a, a midlife crisis. Uh, as, as some people buy a sports car or chase other things or, or what have you, but a midlife crisis is, is asking the same question. Um, I haven't become who I thought I'd become. Uh, I haven't achieved what I thought I'd achieved. Uh, who am I now outside of my dreams? Uh, and then, of course, there's a similar time of retirement uh, when those who, for those who have built careers. Um, who, who are used to having all of their time, their habits, their calendar informed by their work. Uh, and then that stops. Um, naturally, they've defined themselves around what they've done, their work. And when that finishes, the questions come, well, who am I outside of my work? And so these are all questions of identity that we all ask. Uh, who am I outside of my family of origin? Who am I outside of my dreams? Who am I outside of my work? outside of my job. As Christians, as people seeking to grow in Christ, our identity is fundamentally tied to our position in Christ through faith. That's where it begins. Uh, so as we begin our Growing in Christ series, I want to make two points. Uh, the first is uh, our growing activity is actually far less important than our identity in his activity. And then secondly, uh, any of our growing activity actually springs from our identity with his activity. Okay, let me go through each of those uh, one by one. Firstly, our growing activity is actually far less important than our identity in his activity, that is in God's activity in Jesus Christ. I want to give you or remind you of a phrase uh, that helps you as a Christian. Uh, it's a phrase that helps you remember who you are in the essence of your being, uh, if you're a follower or a disciple of Jesus, here it is. Here is the anchor of your identity. I am, we are, in Christ. Uh, once you uh, um, pick up that phrase, as you read the Bible, you will just, have you seen it read the New Testament, you just see it everywhere. Um, as Jeanette read, you might have heard the second verse of that passage. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters, in Christ. 
And as you go on in Colossians, you see it everywhere. Uh, and of course, it's it's in our it's in our church mission, isn't it, to glorify God by growing in Him or in Christ. Uh, and the more you you, you conscious of the phrase, just so the more you see it, there are, this phrase occurs about three hundred and seventy times in the New Testament. Uh, phrases like in Him or in Christ, with Him or with Christ, in Jesus or with Jesus. It's just everywhere. Uh, being in Christ actually provides you with the strongest conceivable connection between you and your Saviour. Just in those two words. Between you and your Master, your Lord, your Rescuer. Uh, now, you're convinced that Jesus is remarkable. I suspect you probably wouldn't be here if you weren't convinced that Jesus is remarkable. Uh, that, that uh, I mean, there's many ways that we see that uh, Jesus is truly God. Uh, Colossians two, uh, the fullness of deity dwells in Him, uh, and He He set forth on the earth as God and walked on earth. It, that's remarkable, isn't it? Uh, we are convinced that He is remarkable. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 8, um, 18, all the Old Testament promises find their yes in him. The Old Testament, all of it, as we read it, points to Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 1, 10, all things are united in him. Uh, everything is not random. Everything is connected to him. Or similarly, Colossians 1, 17, that was read for us just, uh, just earlier, all things hold together in him. Remarkable. Jesus is remarkable. These are massive ideas of Jesus' authority and reign over the whole universe. We're convinced that Jesus is remarkable, and yet somehow that doesn't make an impression on our identity. Uh, so often uh, that is remote or removed from how we think of ourselves. That is until we recognise this. His achievements are actually our achievements in him. His remarkableness makes us remarkable in Christ. Uh, let me just show you uh, uh, Romans uh, 6, uh, 6 to 7. Uh, as Jesus was crucified, and I know this sounds weird, as Jesus was crucified, you were there. Let me show you uh, Romans 6, 6 to 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. You see, 2,000 years ago, your sin was there at the crucifixion. I mean, that's mind-blowing, isn't it? Uh, at his cruci crucifixion, all of your sins were there. Uh, before, you were even, were you, before you were even born, your sins were there at the cross. Uh, being in Christ means that at the cross, the consequence of your sin was taken off you. Uh, since we were in Christ, you were there at the cross being changed. Your identity was changed at the cross back then. I know that's mind-bending, but it's true. Now, And that's not all. You were raised with Christ too. In the words of this passage, you were made alive in him. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, you were there. His life after death becomes your life after death. Colossians 3.1 puts it this way. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Spiritually, there's no difference between your location and his. He was raised physically. 
We were raised spiritually with just the physical to go. And the link doesn't stop in history. Uh, The link continues in the present. Uh, uh, We're not remote from Jesus now. Do you know why? Well, because we're part of his body, his living, vibrant, fighting body. That's right. That's what the church is. Uh, Jesus is not remote. We're actually part of his body. We're part of the organisation that will not be overcome by death and hell. But, of course, our our connection to him doesn't stop in the present either, does it? Uh, You know that Jesus reigns now, right? That's one of the truths that give us comfort when society changes so fast around us. We know and we're comforted that Jesus rules. But you know what? Being Christ in the future means you will reign with him too. Have a look with me at 2 Timothy 2, 11 to 12. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. You see Jesus as remarkable, and that's right, he is. You may not see yourself as remarkable, but in Christ you are. In Christ you are royalty. You are co-regents with Christ, or you will be. That's remarkable, isn't it? That is what it is to be in Christ. Uh, One of the the most helpful ways that this was described to me was being in Christ is like being in a plane. Uh, Imagine yourself at the airport, uh, about to board a plane, a plane to New Zealand, or as I like to say to my Kiwi in-laws, a plane to Eastern Australia. Um, uh, And uh, what's your relationship to your plane? Would it help you get to New Zealand if you were under the plane? Would it help you get to the New Zealand by being inspired by the plane? Uh, would it help if you followed the plane? Now, of course, the key relationship you need with that plane is to be in it. Uh, not being under it, not being inspired by it, not being followed, not following, but, but actually being in it. Uh, because where the plane goes, you go. At the heart, at its heart, the New Testament idea of being in Christ is something like that. Uh, in that moment at the cross, you were secured. Your deliverance from your sins was secured in Christ. Your offences before your ruler were cleared. In a subsequent moment, when the Father raised Jesus from the dead in, in one moment in Christ, you found a way through death to eternal life in him. In Christ, you will reign in eternity with him. We have the incomparable riches of Christ. In Christ Jesus, we're on his plane. Now, that's crucial to our church here. We're on about growing in Christ. Growing in Christ at its heart is about having our identity shaped by Jesus' identity, being transformed in the likeness of Christ. Growing in Christ actually begins here. Uh, So in the difficulties of life, in the uncertainties, uh, when we're challenged by Satan, uh, uh, when uh, you're questioning yourself, questioning your assurance, you remember this, I am in Christ. Jesus reigns, and by the grace of God, I will reign with him. Love it. Live it out. Be who you are in Christ. So that's what I wanted to cover first. Um, When we speak about growing in Christ, uh, the pivotal part is actually not the growing bit, uh, the growing activity, what we're doing, Uh, but the pivotal part is actually what's already been done by Christ. The pivotal part is our identity in him. For, for us, what is pivotal is being in Christ. 
Now, I've spent most of my time on this, but it's just that important. Uh, let me do uh, more briefly, secondly, uh, that secondly, any growing activity springs from our identity in his activity. Uh, you might have noticed earlier in the Romans passage, I know I went through a few passages, but you might have noticed in the Romans passage um, that outside of Christ, our identity is described like this. Outside of Christ, we are slaves to sin. It's pretty confronting, isn't it? Outside of Christ, you are a slave to sin. Uh, that is, if you're not in Christ, uh, uh, it, it, your sins are still your own <laughs> and you can't avoid them. Uh, if it wasn't for Christ that you trust in, you would be chained to your sin. You would be unavoidably shackled to your sin. Where, where the sin plane goes, you go. The consequences of your sin are yours. You would never be free from them. And the Bible has lots of different images for this. Uh, one of the images is blindness, being blind. Um, in, in fact, the letter to the wealthy church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation uh, has this description, uh, and it's not limited to blindness. Revelation 3.17 says, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Now that's a hard word, isn't it? Our natural side outside of Christ is not freedom and independence, but poverty, blindness and nakedness. Outside of Christ, our bank account is empty. We are bankrupt outside of Christ. Uh, so when you come to Jesus, uh, uh, you're not coming to him, you know, like a, as a tutor to just help you with the extra bit of study for the final exam. Uh, you, you're not coming to Christ as a car that's clean that just needs a final bit of detailing before sale. No, you're coming to Jesus for everything. Uh, uh, that is why who he is and what he's done in his life, his death, his resurrection, is so pivotal to growing in Christ. It starts in Christ. And what's more, uh, growing in Christ is what he does. Um, a little later in Colossians 1.29, uh, the apostle says, To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So, so it's not as if we crowbar ourselves into growing in Christ. No, no, we must be lifted into growth. And by his grace, he fuels our efforts. And, and so growing in faith in Christ is, is, is growing in reliance on all he has done for us. Uh, growing in recognition of how much we need him, uh, growing in the realisation that without him we are estranged and condemned by God, and growing in realisation that we're dirty, poor, blind, penniless, indebted, slaves to, 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 without him. That's the growth bit. Uh, growing in Christ is a growing realisation of just how much we depend on him. I think you might have met this person, actually, uh, an older person who's been growing in Christ for a long time. Uh, they don't speak like a hero. They speak like a servant. Have you met them? Yeah, they, uh, they don't uh, speak of their own successes. They speak of the successes of their saviour. Have you met this person? When you meet them, you know what it looks like to be down the road of growing in Christ. That's what it looks like. 
Uh, and I, I spoke in the intro video uh, about the difficulty of writing, growing in Christ goals for the next year. That is quite a difficult act activity. Uh, let me just give you three examples of goals that you might write just reflecting on faith. Um, you might write this, um, knowing that I'm a slave to sin in Jesus, I want to be a quick and continual repenter. You might write this, uh, knowing that pivotal to my identity is Jesus, I want to keep his sufficiency for my, my life, uh, keep recognising his sufficiency for my life and keep recognising the insufficiency of the idols uh, that attract me, you know, wealth, success, happiness, power, whatever those idols are. Or you might write this, every significant decision I make this year will be viewed through the grid of my identity in Christ. Since I am in Christ, I will do this. Those might be ways that you apply this truth of growing in Christ. Uh, so, friends, that's the second point there. The, of our growing in Christ activity, it actually springs from faith in his activity, his identity. Uh, we only grow in Christ when we realise and rely on all that he has done for us. Uh, come back with me to the airport. Uh, I want you to consider two people that are seeking to go to Eastern Australia. Uh, first, there's a businesswoman uh, who flies to New Zealand regularly, uh, regularly for board meetings, the Kiwi tourist company. Uh, she gets to the airport with minutes to spare. Uh, often just before the boarding sign lights up, she gets to the airport. Uh, when she's on the plane, that's the time that she's allocated to reading her board papers uh, for the quarterly meeting. Uh, she rarely looks up from the papers when the crew are making announcements about the possibility of a non-traditional landing. Um, and uh, she's, she's, she's totally different to this guy. The second person at the airport is an older gentleman. Uh, he's getting on the plane for the first time in his life. His family have all chipped in to fly him to New Zealand to have his first overseas holiday. He arrives at the airport four hours early. He couldn't sleep. He wanted to be there on time. He goes to the viewing deck and he just stands there marvelling at the thought that these pieces of metal machinery can actually get off the ground. He gets on the plane. He reads the emergency manual. He reads everything else that's in the pocket just in case he, you know, he needs to know. He listens very carefully to the crew instruction. Uh, and when the plane taxis to the foot of the runway, his palms become a bit clammy. Uh, his heart rate doubles. He feels it going thump, 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 thump. Uh, and, and even after a problem-free takeoff, he presses the buzzer to check with the crew that everything's okay. I've got two important questions. Who has more faith in that scenario? Well, the woman does, doesn't she? She's a model of trust uh, in that plane, the pilots, the crew. She, she knows it'll all work. The elderly man, on the other hand, is full of doubt. Second question, and this is more important, who makes it to New Zealand? The answer is both. Why? Well, because they're on the plane, right? Uh, the strong faith of the woman or the doubting faith of the man has very little to do with their destination. Uh, at this point, the question is not who believes more, but where are you? If you're on the plane then the amount of faith you have in the plane has nothing to do with whether you make it or not to New Zealand. Uh, so what does growth look like? Growth looks like an increasing confidence, an increasing faith, an increasing trust, an increasing dependence that you are in Christ. That's what growth looks like. Growing Christ is firstly about Christ and his activity, not about our activity.
our efforts. It's about being in Christ. Where the plane goes, you go. The growing bit is about a growing recognition of who we are in him. A growing recognition of how blind and bankrupt we are, how bereft we are without him, outside of Christ.